Tonight we're going to observe the Lord's table together, and I think of the words the Lord gave with regard to the Lord's table, this do in remembrance of me. And I think one of the most difficult things to think about is the fact that we could forget him. This do in remembrance of me. Uh, Aaron Greenleaf's uh, nephew, John and Sherry's grandson, uh, died suddenly this week, and he's gone there to preach the funeral. Everybody remember that family. And Tonight I'm going to be preaching on this subject, who is Paul, who is Apollos? I've entitled the message for this morning, Thirsty, Thirsty, verse 37, in that last day, that great day of the feast. Now, this is talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. There were three feasts that the children of Israel were called upon to go to Jerusalem every year, and this is the Feast of Tabernacles. It was where they were commemorating their 40 years dwelling in booths in the wilderness, in tents. It's sometimes called the Feast of Booths or Tents, and you would go to Jerusalem for eight days to celebrate that which God told you to come to. And this was the eighth day. It was the last day. And people were getting ready to return home. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood. He put himself in a prominent position where everyone could see him. Now, there are other scriptures that said he raised not his voice. He wasn't someone that was always yelling and bellering out. But this time he stood and cried with a loud voice so as to be heard. Now that ought to catch our attention. He stood and he cried. Now I have no doubt that this was a loud voice wanting to be heard He saw these people leaving this feast as empty as they came. He recognized that. And he cried, if any man thirst. I love that phrase, if any man. Now the gospel is not for everybody. I say this with fear, even talking about it, but there is a place called hell where men and women are suffering eternally because of their sin. That's a very sobering thought, and it's got a very large population. The gospel is not for everybody, but listen to this, the gospel is for anybody. If any man, I don't care who you are, 
The gate's wide open. If any man thirst, let him come to me. Only the Lord can say this. Let him come to me. Let him come to me. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Move back to verse 31 of our text. Thirsty? Thirsty? And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these, which this man hath done? Now they had observed many uh, miracles, and they saw these things. Now this faith that they had is the same faith in in John chapter 2. Would you turn back there? Verse 23, John chapter 2, verse 23. Now... When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. It created a kind of faith, but not saving faith. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and he needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. He saw these people who said, well, he did them. You can't deny what he did. He must be the Christ. You know, nobody ever believed the gospel from seeing a miracle. Never happened. Never will. They did not have saving faith. They were the same people as these people in John chapter 2. There may be people here this morning just like this. You have a kind of faith in Christ, but it's not Saving faith. Back to our text in John chapter 7. Verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. These were the police. (laughs) They sent some, we need to get this guy shut up. People were seemingly believing on him. And so they sent some police officers to take him. Verse 33, then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. He's talking about going back to heaven. You shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am thither you cannot come. They were clueless as to what he was saying. They didn't have a clue. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go? That we shall not find him. Will he go into the the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this? That he said, You shall seek me and shall not find me. And whether I am thither, you cannot come. They did not have a clue as to what he meant by that saying. And then in our text, in that last day, the people had already gone through all the form and the ceremony 
all the smoke and mirrors, all the pomp and circumstance, and it was now over, and they were preparing to return home after those eight days, and the Lord cried, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, the Lord's the only one who could say this. If I said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me, you'd be an idiot if you came. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. But here is the only one who can. If any man thirsts. Thirst. Now what is thirst? Well, it's a need to drink. A feeling of need. That's what thirst is. It's a feeling of need. And when you're thirsty, you know that you yourself cannot satisfy that need. That must come from outside of you. You can't satisfy your own thirst. And you know this, if you don't have your thirst met, you'll die. That's what you know. There's a need. There's an understanding that you yourself cannot meet that need. And there's an understanding that if that need is not met, you will die. That is thirst. Need. The Lord said, the whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And that word sick, there's several words translated sick in the New Testament. That particular word means evilly sick. Evilly sick. You know your sickness has something to do with your own personal evil. The whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. If you're sick, you need this great physician. The Lord said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In the fourth, the fourth beatitude, we read this. Blessed are they... That hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. In Luke chapter 9 verse 11 we read these words by our Lord. Or concerning our Lord. He healed them that had need of healing. Oh, that word need. You know, when the Lord rebuked the church at Laodicea that was rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing, to that church he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. This lack of need makes Christ sick. 
So much so, he says, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. That's the church. He said, you're lukewarm. David, the man after God's own heart. What a man. David. He described himself ten times like this. Now, David was a wealthy man. David was a powerful man. He said, I'm poor and needy. I'm poor. He had great material riches, but he knew I have nothing to bring to God that can recommend me to him. I'm poor. I'm bankrupt. And I have great needs. Not only am I poor, but I have great needs. I need thee, precious Jesus, for I am full of sin. My soul is dark and guilty. My heart is dead within. I need, I need, I need the precious fountain where I can always flee the blood of Christ most precious, the sinner's perfect plea. Thirsty? Needy? You know, I find this to be true with regard to myself. I need him to make me need. I'm not going to be needy unless he makes me needy. I'm going to be satisfied unless he is pleased to make me needy. I need him to act in my behalf. Now, objectively, I believe the Bible teaches that I need. I need, listen to this, I need to be united to Christ. Eternally. I, the Bible teaches that. I see that. I uh, need, uh, I see the Bible teaches that God elected a people. There's no question in my mind about that. I see that the Bible teaches that Christ died for the elect and accomplished their salvation. I see that Christ justified his people, made them to be without guilt. I see that. I see that. Christ accomplished salvation for those for whom he died. I see that the scripture teaches that God's grace saves irresistibly. It doesn't simply make salvation uh, available to me or it's not an offer to me. By grace you're saved. I see that. I see that the Bible teaches God's people will persevere. I see that objectively. But subjectively, I need this. I need to be eternally united to Jesus Christ. I need for him to stand as my surety and take complete responsibility for my salvation. I need that. And if he doesn't, I won't be saved. That's, that's how much I need that. I need God to elect me. If he doesn't elect me, I won't be saved. People argue over the fairness of election. I know this, if he doesn't elect me, I won't be saved. 
When somebody says, do you need to preach that? Well, do you need it to save you? Then you need it to preach it. You need to preach it too. That kills me when people say, should that be preached? Well, of course it should be preached. That's ridiculous. I need Jesus Christ to work out a perfect righteousness for me. I need his precious blood to put away all my sins. I need him to stand as my representative. I need him to die for me. I need for him to raise for me. I need him to do everything in my salvation. I need. If I don't have this, I'm lost. This is need. I need him. I need his grace. I need everything the Bible says about how he God about how God saves sinners. It's not just an objective. Yeah, I see that's what the Bible teaches. I need. I need needy. Needy. What does the Lord say with regard to this thirsty one? You know, when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, he's made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I see that. I need it. I need him to be my righteousness. I need him to be my holiness. I need him to be my full sin payment. I need him to be my wisdom before God. I need him. That's what thirst is. Thirst is a need for water. And you know you can't produce what is needed to quench your thirst. It's got to come with outside of you. And if you don't have it, you'll die. That's what need is. I need everything the Bible says with regard to Jesus Christ the Lord. I need. Needy? Let not conscience make you linger, nor fitness fondly dream. The only fitness he requireth is to have a need of him. You know, I don't even feel my need the way I ought to. I know that. But I have a need. I have a need of Jesus Christ to be my all in salvation. If any man, that's you, that's you, you fit into that group, any man? No, the gospel is not for every man, but it is for any man. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Now, let me give you a hint about this. This is not an invitation. This is a command. You don't need to worry about whether or not you're invited. You're commanded. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Only the Lord can say this. No son of Adam could make a promise like this. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He said in the previous chapter, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me.
And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the Lord said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Now that doesn't simply mean being depressed over life's circumstances. That means you're crushed under a burden of your own sinfulness. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the Lord's able to do that. He said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. What a description of the Savior. If you came to anybody else, including me, bearing your soul, Oh, I might act. I, I, I need to be careful. When I, I don't want to think, well, I can't say anything to him. I, I, I don't mean that. But what I'm saying is, if anybody comes to anybody else and you bear your soul, they're going to say, mm, not the Lord. He's meek and lowly in heart. You're not going to find him judging you and holding you off. He's meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. There remaineth a rest. That means you're not doing anything. You're resting in what he did. There remaineth a rest for the people of God. For he that's entered into his rest hath ceased from his own works. Cease and desist. Quit working. Look to Christ only. In Revelation 21, 6, he says, I will give to him that's a thirst of the water of life freely. Freely. You don't need to bring a thing. Freely. Revelation twenty two seventeen, Let him that's a thirst come. And this is his command. Let him that's a thirst come. Now, I have no doubt that this passage of scripture, when the Lord says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It's taken from Isaiah chapter 55. If you'll turn there with me. Isaiah chapter 55. Doesn't say how thirsty. Somebody says, I'm afraid I don't thirst enough. I'm sure you don't thirst enough. I don't either. It doesn't say how thirsty. It just says, if any man thirsts. If any man thirsts. Now look here in Isaiah chapter 55. Verse 1. Ho! You know, this is the Lord speaking. And he gives this word to catch our attention. This is God speaking. Ho! 
better listen. Better listen. Everyone that thirsteth. I repeat, it doesn't say how much. It just says thirsteth. I'm one of them. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. The only way your thirst can be quenched. The Lord Jesus Christ is that fountain of living water. Thirsty? Come to the waters. Now, he narrows down who this target audience is. He that hath no money. You know, whenever you're wanting to sell something, you're not going to something with, with no money. <laughs> it wouldn't do you any good. But here the Lord's target audience is described, he that hath no money. He that has nothing to bring to the table. I can't say, well, I've, I've at least defeated this sin or I've conquered this bad thing and I've stopped doing this and I've started doing that. Surely I can. No, you exclude yourself. The only one who is called upon to come is that one who has nothing to bring. He that hath no money, come ye. Buy and eat, yea, come by wine and milk. Now, milk is what is necessary. Wine is what is pleasurable. Both of those are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. Wine and milk. Not just wine, but milk. Not just milk, but wine. Oh, the glories of this one we're coming to drink of. Come by wine and milk. And he repeats himself without money and without price. All you can bring is nothing. And if you bring something, you can't come. Now that's the words of the Lord. He says in verse 2, Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Your thirst cannot be quenched by your works. You'll never be satisfied. You're always going to think, Am I missing something? Am I missing something? I'm not really finding satisfaction in my doings. Am I missing something? Now, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread? It's not going to give you any satisfaction. Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make, I will make, an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. 
Now, what are those sure mercies of David? Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 23. If you come to Christ for mercy, you will find that the exact covenant he made with David, he's made with you personally. He didn't give David a better covenant. This is your hope too. 2 Samuel 23, uh, verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David's dying. Now, I put myself in this position. What if it's my last day? These are my last words. David's dying. And I've made this statement before. David was a very special man. He was a man after God's own heart. He, the sweet psalmist of Israel. At one time, he was the most powerful man in the earth because the scripture says the fear of David fell upon every nation. I mean, he was a military leader that everybody, we don't mess with David. I mean, he also was a man of great sin. And the scripture records some of his many Sins. He was a sinful man, like you and I are. What is he going to be talking about on his last day? Verse 5. Although my house be not so with God. Now, his house was a mess. His kids, they were a mess. And... Lord told him it would be that way. He said, the sword's never going to depart from your house. His house was a mess. And I have no doubt that he was also talking about this house. Although my house be not so with God, yet, yet, hath he made with me an ever lasting covenant now that's true with regard to me that covenant he made with David listen to me he made with me the exact same covenant these are the sure mercies of David I, I mean they're sure aren't they yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant Ordered in all things and sure. Sure mercies of David. And David said, this is all my salvation and all my desire, though he maketh not to grow. Now this covenant, this, all my salvation is in this covenant. Is that the way it is with you? I tell you what, if you're thirsty, you know that's the only satisfaction you can have is in the sure mercies of David. The covenant that God made with David. Now, there's so much in this covenant. Jeremiah 32 40, one of the covenant promises is, I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I'll put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. I'll not turn away from them to do them good. I'll put my fear in their hearts. They shall not depart in me. You know, included in that covenant in Ezekiel 36, when he talks about the new heart. He gives, it says, 
You shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and abominations. That's part of the promise of the covenant. You know what that does? That keeps you looking to Christ only, doesn't it? You have nowhere else to look. Now back to John chapter 7. Verse 37, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Now, I left the house this morning, got in the car, came to this building. You don't come to Christ like that. It's not something you do physically. When you come to Christ, you don't move a muscle. Let him come to me and drink. Coming to Christ and believing on Christ is the exact same thing. He said in John chapter 6 verse 35, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, you believe on Christ. First of all, when you believe who he is, do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe he's the uncreated second person of the blessed Trinity, the one who created the universe as an act of his own will? Do you believe he's one with the Father? In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do you believe? You believe who he is? Do you believe what he said? Do you believe what he said when he said, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. For no reason, if you come to him, there's no reason he'll cast you out. Do you rely on who he is and what he said and what he did as everything in your salvation? When he said, it is finished, all your eggs are in that basket. That's what that means to believe on him. All your eggs are in that basket. If it is not finished, you won't be saved. You believe that. If any man thirst, let him come to me. Not to religion, not to some man, not down to the front of the church, not to some resolution. Well, it's, it's going to be better from here on out. I'm going to start doing, shut that stuff up. Come to him. Come to him. That's his command. Come to him. He that believeth on me, verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, there's not a verse in the Old Testament that says that. Get your concordance. When he says, as the scripture has said, there's not a verse particularly in the Old Testament that says that. But remember who's speaking. This is the one who knows what the scripture means. And here's what this means. 
This is the true interpreter of Scripture. I love it in the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount when he said, you've heard it said of them that old, and then he'd quote some kind of Scripture, and then he'd say, but I say to you. I'm the only one who knows what it means. It means what I say it does. And this is his interpretation of the whole Scripture. If you believe on him, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's what faith is. You see, if you ever stop believing, you never believed in the first place. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You're going to continue to believe. You're going to have a source in you, him, him, not you, him, that those waters will flow continually. Now turn to John chapter 4. Turn back just a few pages. John chapter 4, verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria. One of his elect was there. One of his... Chosen sinners was there. He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, you know, while he's the son of God, he's bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh. He was wearied with his journey. A human being, wearied. A human being with the limitations of the flesh, wearied with his journey. Sat thus on the well, and it was about noon, the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now all she'd have ever experienced is when, she saw, when a Jew saw her, he turned the other way. This is a Samaritan. I don't have anything to do with a Samaritan. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift, the free gift of God with no strings attached, that which he gives freely, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink. If you knew who I was, you'd have asked him. And he would have given thee living water. That water that flows continually. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? She didn't have any idea what he was talking about. And then she asks a very stupid question. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Yeah, <laughs> infinitely so. Infinitely so. Art thou greater than our father 
Jacob, which gave us this well and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Now you can put that over everything in this world. You drink of this water. Oh, you might find some temporary satisfaction, but it won't last. You will thirst again. All of the waters of this life, I don't care what it is, you will thirst again. You won't find soul satisfaction in anything that this world has to offer. But, verse 14, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him as a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Same thing the Lord said there in John chapter 7. Now, think of this concept to never thirst again. Now, what's that mean? If you ever trust Christ as your righteousness before God, you'll never thirst for anything else. You won't be looking for anything else. You won't say, well, there must be more. If you say that, it's because you've never drank. To not thirst is to believe that I am complete in him. And there's nothing else needed. If I believe on Christ, I'm not looking for anything else. I've, I've had people say to me, there must be more than that. Well, the only reason you say that because you've never believed. If you believe on Christ, you are plumb satisfied to be saved by him. You satisfied? The writer to the Hebrews said, let your conversation be, your life be, without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. Now, I realize there's nobody in here that ought to be coveting more materially. You, you would agree with me there. You, you, you did. You, you have, it's in your heart, but it ought not be. I mean, everybody in here, we got plenty. We got plenty. But this is not talking about don't covet materially. You shouldn't. But this is talking about don't covet spiritually because if you have Christ, there's nothing to covet. If you have Christ, you have all. And what do you got to covet? If you got all, there's nothing to covet. Be content with such things as you have. Now, I've got a 2013 Toyota Avalon, and I've been thinking, I'm about ready for another car. Well, no, you ought to be content with that. True. True. But that's not really what that's talking about. What do you have in Christ? Complete acceptance. Justification. 
the forgiveness of all your sins. The promise that you're going, He's going to enable you to persevere all the way to the end. Now unto Him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before His presence with exceeding joy. Is that enough for you to be content with? Be content. Be satisfied with such things as you have. For He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no never, no never forsake. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in Christ's name, that name that angels bow in his presence, the name that's above every name, we ask in his name that you, by your grace, would create a thirst in each person here for thyself. And for thy son. Let us come to him. And drink. In his name we pray.